0: is a city that is thriving with historical identities and heroic figures and thrilling adventures. And now in this brand new series of podcasts here on Atlanta News First called ATL Vault, we are going to be delving into the, the, the city's vibrant history and hopefully bring some new life and new perspectives to our city's brilliant future. This is the first episode of ATL Vault on Atlanta News First, and I'm Tim Darnell. I can't think of a a more distinguished historian or individual to join us on this very first episode than Dr. Andy Ambrose. He has held numerous positions, more more positions than I have time to to tell At the Atlanta History Center, he's written numerous books and featured in numerous publications about the city of Atlanta, including co-authoring um, Metropolitan Frontiers, The Short History of Atlanta, Atlanta and Illustrated History and the American South in the 20th Century. And today we are talking about something that happened 175 years ago on January 29th, 1848 and this newly renamed and newly incorporated city of Atlanta held its first mayoral election. Dr. Emmerich, I can't think that anyone can possibly imagine how different Atlanta was 175 years ago uh, compared to today.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's the, the kind of exciting thing about this story is just realizing that at this time, uh, the newly renamed Atlanta was less a city than a, almost like a frontier town uh, with all kinds of, of things that you would associate almost with the Wild West. And I think that that's, uh, really comes out in the election of, uh, of 1848 too. So I think that's a great, great focus for this first uh, Atlanta Vault podcast.
0: Now, we're all familiar with some of the most, the nation's, some of the most famous political parties, Whigs and Tories, Federalists and Jeffersonians, Republicans and Democrats. Atlanta's first two major political parties, I don't know if you want to call them major, but (laughs) the first two parties on records were the Moral Party and the Free and Rowdy Party. You can only imagine the vast differences in their political and social approaches. Tell us a little bit more more about these two. Well, I
1: think the the names are actually very accurate. Uh, The the Free and Rowdy Party was a a party that really uh, was less about law and order. Uh, They were more inclined and supportive of things like um, gambling and prostitution uh, and crime in, in some ways, too. Um, so they were they were very much aptly named, uh, and uh, their first candidate in the in for for mayor in 1848 was Moses Formwald. On the other side, you had the M- Moral and Reform Party, uh, which hints at the differences already between the two. They were much more about law and order and also temperance. Uh, you know, it really quelling um, the the presence of saloons. And one thing I will mention at this time in 1848, in Atlanta, there were only three churches, but there were 40 saloons. And with the population estimated at 2,500, that's about one saloon for every 62 individuals, residents living in Atlanta, including children. So you kind of had a sense, again, of the kind of frontier life that was, was represented in the, these early years of Atlanta and this first election of Atlanta. And the, and the candidate for the, um, for the Moral and Reform Party was Jonathan Norcross, uh, born in Maine, the son of a minister, a very kind of pious person who came to Atlanta uh, and late, later became both, he was both the sawmill owner and later the owner of a dry goods store. And he was really look, he was really very much in line with what the moral party was about. So yes, very different kinds of, <laughs> of approaches here.
0: Now Jonathan Norcross, uh, the last name Norcross is going to be familiar. For a lot of uh, Metro Atlantis, he would be, later become the namesake of the city of Crossing Gwinnett. And we found a little bit more about him, but we really don't know a whole lot about Moses Formwall. What do we know about, about this individual? You know, that, that is a very interesting thing. There, there, uh, there were uh,
1: different uh, ideas about where he was born, Germany, uh, elsewhere. But the one thing we do know for certain is that in 1844, uh, Moses Formwalt moved from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, to Decatur, Georgia, and uh, he set up a partnership with uh, with John Adams in uh, Decatur in a kind of tinware shop. Uh, in 1846, that um, that business partnership uh, dissolved, and Formwalt moved to Atlanta. He set up another tin and copper business on Decatur Street. And his prime, his prime product, his most popular product was a copper still for making liquor. So that gives you a kind of sense of where he was. In addition, he opened one of the first saloons in Atlanta uh, on Murals Row. And that's one of those notorious areas of of Atlanta at that time named for a famous Tennessee murderer. Uh, And it was very much a place where. Well into the 20th century, you had things like cockfighting, uh, other illegal activities. It was a red light district. It was a place that drew criminals really from all over the South. So it was one of those areas, very much that was uh, what was was known for its being a kind of den of iniquity, as they call it, I think. Uh, so that was that was one of the uh, focuses for the Moral Party. They wanted to get rid of that. And they wanted to get rid of two other, in particular, um, kind of notorious areas in in the early city. And one of them was a place called Slabtown, um, and Slabtown was a kind of early slum on the edge of the city. Uh, and that was where Jonathan Norcross came uh, and to later to set up his sawmill. But to tell a little bit more about Moses Formwald, um, he. Uh, um, well, we'll get into that later, I guess, as we talk more about the campaign.
0: Shall I just talk more about Jonathan Norcross, or do we? Yeah, need... Jonathan Norcross. I mean, from from some of our research, we've been able to determine that a lot of the uh, shacks or so-called shanties that were built in Slabtown came from uh, refuse or debris or leftover timber. From North is sawmill. And that's how Slabtown, Slabtown, from what I also understand, you, you can tell us what was developed on top of Slabtown, something, a very famous Atlanta facility that I'm sure you know the name of.
1: Oh, wait, what, what we're talking about. Slabtown, you mean where later there was uh, the 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 Grady Hospital? Right, yes. Right, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, that is that's actually it's a good way of envisioning where that was where that right. was located. Um, but uh, he uh, Jonathan Norcross ran that sawmill, and his main his main customer was the New Georgia Railroad. The sawmill created the the railroad ties, and then like you said, all of the materials that were left over he allowed the uh, the impoverished mill workers to, to take and make use of, and that's really what they did build the Slabtown from, was largely the refuse from that sawmill. After about a year at that sawmill, Jonathan Norcross moved on to other things, eventually setting up a dry goods store, and he became very much associated as at the same time, this would have been when it was Martin when Atlanta was known as Marthasville, but he came associated with a group that was trying to change the name to make it more elegant uh, and uh, which became, finally came up with the term Atlanta. And he also became very much involved in the moral uh, party's um, uh, plans for what this new city should be like.
0: So Atlanta's first name was Terminus and then it mm-hmm. became Marthasville a- in Atlanta and it became Atlanta later on. Let's talk about the first mayoral election. Mm-hmm. This is in a city of 2,500 folks, a lot of bars, a lot of housing, a mill repute. Not many people voted in the election from what I understand. And given the, given the predominance of, of saloons and the wild and woolly nature of a frontier town that has sprung up alongside a railroad. It's probably not that big of a surprise who actually won the race.
1: No, um, Moses Formal, uh, the member of the Free and Rowdy Party, a uh, leader of the Free and Rowdy Party, uh, was the winner. Uh, that part was not contested, but the but the election itself was not without disturbances. I believe there were reported over 60 fights uh, within the city during that campaign. So it was kind of a contentious thing because there was many things at stake. And for the free and rowdy party, many of them were, were uh, owners of distilleries and brothels and uh, gambling um, uh, houses. So there was a lot at stake with this moral party that was wanting to come in and, and either control or get rid of those things. Uh, so that's, that's uh, um, you know, that, that was really what the, what the focus of it, of it was at this time. Um, so at this time, in, in addition to what I was talking about, well, the, uh, there were a lot of issues that the Moral Party wanted to take care of. Uh, and that was you know, the rowdiness, that was problems in the streets with uh, deadly crossings, all kinds of things. There are potholes that people literally fell in and died. Uh, some of un, un, uh, un, uncovered wells in the street, et cetera. There were all kinds of accidents at railroad crossings. So there was a lot that needed to be dealt with, but there were two different visions of how that would happen. And of course, we've mentioned that Formwall was the, the. It, it, so Formwall and Nar- Narcross became the kind of focal points for this. Um, but another interesting thing about the, the election was not only Moses Formwald's uh, victory, but also the fact at that time that the mayors only served a one term in office. So there was a relatively short time to to do much of of anything, but but there was definitely um, a lot of rivalry and contesting over what the focus should be. And uh, Moses um, was served that first, Moses Formwald served that first, uh, a term and then he went on to other things after that.
0: Yeah, term uh, terms were one year. So Moses Formwalt serves one year in office. There are two more elections in the coming years, and both of uh, Atlanta's second and third mayors were members of the Free and Rowdy Party or the Rowdies. Jonathan Norcross himself finally was elected mayor in 1851 the fourth mayor in Atlanta's history. And, and he took on a, a lot of uh, a lot of responsibilities. what to, what was the role? I, I remember Henry seeing something from Henry Grady, who later became a legendary Atlanta journalist who called uh, Jonathan Norcross the father of Atlanta you know, how accurate was that? What did Norcross do during well, his term? He,
1: well, he, uh, he actually had a really large impact for his short term in, in office. Um, and because, uh, again, as I mentioned uh, um, earlier, um, he was, as part of the moral party, his platform when he got in office, he promised to collect taxes, enforce city laws on cockfighting, the discharging of firearms, and prostitution, and he served not only as mayor, but also as a road supervisor and a judge for the police court. Now, the thing thing that I'm now, when Norcross won the Rowdy Party, even though uh, it was no longer in office, didn't go away without a fight. And that's probably the best way actually to describe it because, uh, Mayor Norcross uh, faced very stiff resistance from the Rowdies In his first court case, uh, he was the judge of the police court. And in his first court case, the defendant who was found guilty of street fighting uh, after, he was, after the sentence was announced and he is fine, he brandished uh, a, a knife and uh, threatened to butcher everybody in the courtroom. And it's, it's reported that uh, Jonathan Norcross picked up his chair and held, held it like a kind of like a lion tamer. And there was all this chaos and the, and the, and the defendant got escaped. Uh, and then the next night, the Rowdy Party hauled um, the Decatur's Cannon, which I think may still be the one that you see on their court square. It was a relic from the 1812, the War of 1812. And they used it in Decatur to fire, you know, things for celebrations. But the rowdy party went there, grabbed the cannon, brought it to the to the city in the street, and, and put it right in front of Jonathan Norcross's dry goods store. They fired not, not ammunition at that point. I think it was sand and gravel. But they left a note saying, "Resign, or the next time it'll be more serious." Um, so you can get a sense of the of what he what he faced, um, but they weren't detoured. the uh, The moral party wasn't detoured for several weeks. Um, the uh, they the police arrested residents of Snake Nation, which was a notorious settlement of uh, log cabins and wood huts along Whitehall Row, now Peter Street, and um, the rowdy leaders um, uh, and the party leaders and and uh, the police filled the city's new jail in fact they they filled it to capacity and they had to start giving people house arrest Uh, so there was a it was building and building and uh then late one night the moral party leaders this is so fascinating for me all that this is going on again the kind of wild west atlanta uh for several weeks the police arrested residents of snake nation uh and the rowdy party and as i said and filled the the jail to capacity. But then one late one night, the Moral Party and deputized supporters who were known as white caps because they wore white hoods, reminiscent of Ku Klux Klan, I guess, to to hide, disguise their identity. And they swept into Snake Nation. They went into the bars. They whipped the men that they found there. They took the women uh, and put them in wagons and took them and dropped them off in, in, uh, in Decatur. Uh, and then, they, uh, um, then the then the what I would call the moral mob uh, made its way into uh, Snake Nation and later Slab Town. and they um, they just they burned many of the buildings, including those buildings that were built with Jonathan Norcross's scrap uh, lumber in Slab town. So they they actually went to great lengths to to drive people out of those, those notorious sections of the city. And
0: that was a central platform of Jonathan Norcross's campaign. He wanted really to rid, from what I understand, the city of all of its slums and like Merle's Rose, Slabtown, Snake Nation. How did that community get its name?
1: Well, they, one thing I'd heard one one rumor was that it was based on snake oil salesmen uh, mm-hmm. that you know that kind of that that proliferated in that time and and probably were their clientele was probably many of the people in the and the same notorious areas mm-hmm. that we're talking about. I don't know that there's that that's been you know documented, but it certainly uh, Snake Nation kind of gives you a sense of of, of what. People felt about the, the good citizens of Atlanta, if I can say that felt about about uh, that that place in particular, and that um, and actually as a result of the moral moral mob uh, actions, um, I think Slabtown managed to rebuild very quickly. Snake Nation really was destroyed by that, and later came to be known and rebuilt and known as Castleberry Hill. Uh, so. You know, that it it was one, Snake Nation, if that was the prime, uh, prime candidate for, for control and dispersal, the uh, Jonathan Norcross and his, and his group, including his successor were very, were successful in, in bringing that about.
0: We are hosting this very first episode of ATL Vault here on Atlanta News First with Dr. Andy Ambrose, one of the city's most distinguished, uh, and notable historians were talking about Atlanta's first mayoral election held January 28th, 1848. 175 years ago, uh, this January 2023, Jonathan Norcross would go on to have a long life um, well into his 80s and ran for governor unsuccessfully. He, from what we understand, did oppose or cast a vote Against Georgia's uh, secession from the Union in 1861, tell us um, what, what were some of the other notable aspects of Jonathan Northcross's career? We're going to circle back here momentarily and talk about Atlanta's first mayor to wrap up this edition of ATL Vault. But what uh, what was the rest of Jonathan Northcross's career like?
1: Well, you mentioned uh, that he he ran for for governor unsuccessfully, and uh, one interesting thing to note about his vote against the session is that was not really rare in Atlanta at that time, um, at when the when the Confederacy was formed, because there were a lot of businessmen already had um, power and sway in Atlanta, and they were concerned that you know they were lying they. They, they had business concerns that tied them more to the north and to other other aspects and aspirations for the city's growth and and so there really was not um, I, as strong a um, a support for the Confederacy <clears throat> as people might imagine for a southern city at this time. Uh, but he uh, I mean for the most part, he was continued from what I understand to be, um, you know, well known, and as you said, the town of Norcross was named in his honor in, in Gwinnett County. Um, and I think that that um, you know both men, both candidates, as we'll talk about later, have remembrances in the area um, associated with their with their
0: careers and with their tenure as as mayors. With the town of Norcross being named for Jonathan Norcross. Moses Formwalt was 28 when he was elected mayor. He served for one term, but he met a uh tragic, and violent end uh, in an it, and was noteworthy in its historically in its own way. Talk with us a little bit about that. Yes,
1: and um after after his term in office, he continued his work as a tin and copper um, uh, uh, salesperson. But he also became a deputy sheriff of DeKalb County, I believe in 1852. And that was a short-lived career. Um, and, and later in that same year, he was escorting a prisoner to the courthouse when the prisoner pulled out a, a knife and stabbed him to death. So his, that was the end of, of Moses Formwald, And he was actually, Buried in Oakland Cemetery, which we, I didn't mention earlier, but that was one of the real kind of important developments for Atlanta as a city in 1850. Uh, Oakland Cemetery, like uh, cemeteries elsewhere in the U.S., became the first kind of like urban parks. They were not only you know places for the, where the dead were honored, but also where families and you know, full families, children, adults would come and enjoy the beauty. Beautiful surroundings. A lot of this was the impact of Olmstead, who had a huge um, impact on Atlanta as well. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think that we can see in this that there was um, that that. And what I meant, what I wanted to say after that is, initially, Formalt was buried in an unmarked grave in Oakland Cemetery, and I think both of our candidates here are, are of course, married, uh, buried in, in Oakland Cemetery. Uh, for about 60 years. But then there was an effort uh, in the early 20th century to honor uh, Atlanta's first mayor. So in, there, in 1916, I believe it was there, the, the mayor Woodward at that point presided over an unveiling of a monument in, in Oakland Cemetery to Moses Formwalt, And then of course as well, there's a street named in his honor in Southwest Atlanta in what in Mechanicsville, so uh, despite the fact that we know very, very relatively very little about Atlanta's first mayor, he is still his uh, his uh, his, his, he's memorialized in two different ways, uh, in the city.
0: And at the end of Four Walk Street in Mechanicsville is a branch of the Fulton County Library System as well. So, you know, just fascinating uh, to delve into all of this with Dr. Andy Ambrose as who has held numerous positions of leadership at the Atlanta History Center. I also have to give credit to all of the wonderful staff at the Atlanta History Center, without whom the series of articles on Atlanta News First under the banner ATL Vault would not be possible. Uh, Dr. Ambrose, just wrapping up our conversation, what if there was one thing, one parting thought that you would want all of our listeners and everyone who resides in this amazing city of Atlanta to know about its history, its first mayors, mayors election, um, its demographic history or development? What would that be?
1: Well, I think that uh, even in this very early era of Atlanta's growth, you can see a number of things that that we we didn't discuss as much today, but certainly was the impact of the railroads uh, and in propelling this uh, propelling this uh, city forward and and turning it in from going from terminus, which was a very accurate description for for the settlements first purpose as the southern terminus for for the western and atlantic railroad um, and to becoming just the end of the line kind of town it became a center of the whole southeast as a result of the other uh of the other railroads that came to atlanta and connected it elsewhere so I think that's one thing that we noticed. So uh, Norcross was connected to, to, to the railroads. These, um, most of these, uh, um, even these notorious areas we were talking about were related to the railroad. Transportation would continue to be a very critical element in force in Atlanta's history moving, moving forward with, later with the expressways, and then also with Hartsville, Internet, Hartsville jackson International Airport. Uh, so I think some of those things you could see already, and also the development of strong mayors um, and that that not only influence things in the city, but in the region and in some cases later in Atlanta's history nationally.
0: So I and, think yeah, transportation is really the, the main reason that our city exists from from the trails for wagons to railroads to interstate highways and, and the airport. And, and all of those topics we will be discussing in coming weeks and months here on the ATL Vault, as well as looking at the, some of the most notable mayors in Atlanta history. We thanks to also should give a big shout out to our good friend, Richard Harker, who is the executive director of the Historic Oakland Foundation who has taken us on a tour of Oakland Cemetery and the article that is accompanying this podcast on Atlanta News First under the ATL Vault uh, tagline looks and, and gives us a tour of Moses Formwald's uh, memorial at Historic Oakland Cemetery. Thanks for Dr. Andy Ambrose, former uh, COO and holder of many, many other titles at the Atlanta History Center for joining us today. Thanks to everyone at the Atlanta History Center for their full cooperation, the Historic Oakland Foundation, and most of all, to all of you who are listening to ATL Vault on Atlanta News First. We'll see you very soon.